The JMF Advisors Show is a podcast for business owners, C-suite executives, and entrepreneurs who are looking to build, grow, or even exit a business. We bring in some of our best financial advisors to interview experts on business best practices, hot topics, and sprinkle in some tax and accounting help. If you're a business owner, startup founder, CFO, or just starting your side hustle, this podcast is for you. Welcome to another episode of uh, JMF Advisors Podcast. Today we will be discussing the Federal Employee Retention Tax Credit. I'm Carl Jamison, and joining me in studio is Christy Moore, who is a shareholder at JMF and is the co-manager of our client accounting services department and works uh, on ERCs for all of our clients. She's kind of our a go-to person there. And then we have uh, via Zoom, Shannon Scott, who's the CEO of Oncentive, a uh, specialty business incentive firm based out of Birmingham, Alabama. And we also have Marianne Mormon with us from Oncentive. Uh, thank you all for being here with us today. A little bit about Oncentive, uh, you know, their leadership has a lot of years of experience in, in employee tax credits, and we've worked with them off and on over the years and uh, uh, with their leadership uh, in some other companies. And we just now started a relationship with Oncentive to help us with ERC credits. And we're looking forward to working with you, Scott, yes. again. We're excited for the uh, partnership Shannon, excuse me. Yeah. and the benefits it can provide to our clients. Absolutely. So we're excited about that. You know, the employee retention tax credit was first introduced in March of 2020 uh, to incentivize employers to retain employees during the pandemic. And as part of the CARES Act, there was a credit set up that was uh, for eligible wages uh, from March 12, 2020 to, I think, the end of December 2020 originally. Originally, right. I think that's right. And it was a credit of 50% of $10,000 worth of annual wages mm -hmm. in that first go around. Right. Uh, then in December of, uh, I think it was in December of 21. Or 2020. Mm -hmm. 2020. Mm -hmm. they, they upped that. They extended the wage period through June of 21 mm -hmm. and upped the credit to 70%. And I think it's of 10000 per quarter per eligible employee. That's right. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, and it con continued to change after that, didn't it? I think it has. So <laughs> I, I told uh, I told Shannon and, and Christy. Christy already knew it, but I told Shannon before the before we started that the uh, person in this room uh, knowing the least about ERCs is me. <laughs> so I'm kind of going to turn it over to, to to Christy and Shannon and let them go over the ERC, uh, how it works, when it expires, all those good things. So I don't know who's going to start it off. I can kick it off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As it stands today, the credit um, is for wages paid anytime, like Carl said, beginning in March, um, mid-March of 2020 um, through September of 2021. Um, there's been some changes, you know. We first had the fourth quarter, or I say first, but it, in one change, we had the fourth quarter of 2021, and then that was repealed, so um so as it stands today, like I said, um, there's about six quarters worth of wages that can be looked at, and there's a couple of different ways to qualify. Obviously, with, with most things tax-related, it, it's complicated. So <laughs> we'll be glad to help and put you in touch with the onset of folks um, in lots of situations. Um, so the first way to qualify for the credit is um, by experiencing a decline in gross revenues. Yep. And so... 
for 2020, the test is if any quarter, 2020 compared to 2019, um, an employer experienced a decline of 50% or more, um, they will qualify for the credit. And that extends on in subsequent quarters until they reach another, a higher level. There's some, some um, different amounts mm -hmm. for the test. So um, definitely we can look at those gross um, revenues in 2020 to see um, if, a, if an employer qualifies for that um, for the credit then. And then in 2021, when you compare the quarters of 2021, those first three quarters, that is, to the same quarter in 2019 still, um, if they experienced a decline of 20% or more, um, then they will qualify then. And there's a safe harbor where you can look at gross wages, I mean, gross revenues in a prior quarter. Um, so but you're that's, you're that's measuring back to 2019. Yes, in that's each your year. base period that's right. each year. That's right. And in 2020, it was a 50 percent decline, yes. and in 2021, it's a it's a 20 percent decline. decline. Okay. That's right. Shannon, tell us a little bit about the other way that that um, employers can qualify for the credit. Yeah, so the the gross receipts or gross uh, revenues is is obviously like you said one of the tests. The the kind of more complex and complicated test is going to be in the disruption portion of the bill. Um, you know these these retention credits are not anything new. Um, they usually typically follow a disaster or a hurricane as well, but they're typically income tax based and not payroll tax based. Where these credits are, and in those types of credits, there are business disruption tests that you have to qualify for. Um, so, and there's a lot of a bad advice floating around. So we kind of try to make this as clear as possible. A lot of companies are under the impression that you have to have been affected by a local mandate. Uh, for example, let's say you have a, a business in Atlanta and because of a local mandate in Atlanta, you either had to shut down your practice for a little while, or you had employees who had to social distance. So you had some employees working from home, some employees working from the office. Um, if you're a retail re business or a restaurant, a lot of cities, you know, had mandates where they had to shut down early, which obviously could have caused revenue issues. But, you know, some bars and restaurants were used to shutting down at midnight, one or two o'clock in the morning. They were forced to shut down at eight or nine o'clock at night. Plus, with the social distancing mandates, they weren't able to, to service as many customers as they normally would. Those kinds of tests are tests that we have to do research on and make sure that that mandate did affect their business in one of those ways. It could be even something as as crazy as you had to take extra sanitation practices and spend extra money on bringing in sanitation crews and cleaning crews and things like that for your restaurant or retail. Where things really get complex is especially when you're looking at supply chain issues. Yep. Um, a lot of advice has been given to customers where they're told, again, that only the local mandate can affect you, and that's not necessarily true. For example, a lot of the ports in the country were, were mandated to have vaccination requirements, which means they were running at 20 or 30, 40% capacity from an employee perspective. So if you're a grocery store in Atlanta and you get your you know, paper towels or your produce from California, but the port of LA was closed down because of mandates, that affected your business in Atlanta. So that is a qualifying factor as well. Um, so we really have to dig and we have to look at these, the supply chain, where you're getting your product from, where you're getting your, uh, you know, even if you couldn't rent equipment at that time, let's say you're in the construction industry and you couldn't get equipment or rent equipment. Those things are things that would be considered business disruption. Um, and so it's a little bit more complicated test, but we're going to follow the social mandates and the laws that, that, um, that, the, that the bill clearly states. And again, like you said, there's been different iterations of the bill too. And that can also get complicated. You know, it was changed three different times, which is, 
Congress loves to do that, right? That's so right. we've got to follow those, uh, follow those as well. And, right. and the regulators certainly like to put their two cents in on the on what they think the legislature uh, meant to say in the bill. That's right. So, Christy, we we do a lot of the revenue tests. We've done a lot of credits. We continue to look at clients to see if they qualify strictly under the revenue test. But as Shannon was mentioning, that harder test, the mandates or supply chains, that's where we bring them on board because we, we're just not set up to that's right. To make those calculations and those assessments where that's Shannon, right. Shannon's team And is. like Marianne and I have spoken about medical practices as a place where um, there's a good bit of um, opportunity in your guys' experience um, for the interruption qualifier. So we, we're definitely planning to look, look at several of those. Yeah, right. I think absolutely. The, those, go ahead, go Shannon. Ahead. I was going to say the medical offices, you wouldn't normally think that they were so affected because a lot of people were coming in trying to get treated for COVID. But what you ended up having was you had some social mandates for distancing. Um, and then a lot of medical practices had to shut down um, voluntary like surgeries and elective surgeries during that time as yep. well, which obviously affected th them. And, you know, they were sending a lot of employees just at home because they couldn't, you know, these nurses and these doctors weren't able to perform these procedures. Yeah, and dentist office seemed like they were mandated to. Yeah, they had a period where they were mandated, mandated to they? close, and then then I think once they opened, they they were kind of under similar um, requirements where there were certain procedures they could perform and not. Yeah, so yeah, and that was directed by the American Dental Association, right? right had come out and, and set a lot of those mandates. So it wasn't necessarily just a local mandate that affected them, but the, the, the American Dental Association, which is a government funded organization, came out and said, "Hey, you know." you have to restrict these types of procedures and things. And so that would be considered a qualifying factor. And I think Shannon mentioned a minute ago, what I wanted to clarify. So this credit is not an income tax credit. This credit, if you qualify as a credit against your employment taxes, your that's 941 correct. taxes, and that's, that's right. how you'd get the refund, right? That's correct. Yeah. So um, the credit is filed at this point on a 941X, which is an amended payroll tax form. And um, we do still have some time to get those filed. Um, for the 2020 credits we have until January 2024, and correct, correct. me if I'm wrong, Shannon, and then for the 2021 credits we have it until January 2025. So we've still got some time to continue these assessments and um, make calculations. The credit amount um, for 2020, um, like like we've talked about, there there's differences between the two years, and so the, the credit amount for 2020 is based on $10,000 worth of wages per qualifying employee for the year, and the credit amount um, was 50% of those wages. So per employee, $10,000 wages for the year, and um, maximum credit 5,000. That's right. Bucks per right. employee. That's right for 2020. And then Shannon, you want to? Yeah. So in 2021, right? 2021, they increased it to 70% of 10,000 wages per quarter instead of per year. And initially the bill was all four quarters. You could qualify for all four quarters, right? Which, so that would have initially been a $28,000 potential credit, but obviously they repealed uh, the fourth quarter. So now it's down to 21,000. So the maximum overall credit could be $26,000. That's right. And when determining those um, wages per employee, um, if the employer covers, you know, if, a, if an employee only made $8,000 in a quarter of 2021 or in the year of 2020, if the employer covered some health insurance um, cost on behalf of the employee, that can be added to the wages 
to hopefully reach the maximum amount of wages. So you can add employer-provided benefits? Health insurance and other other costs, Shannon? Yeah, their health insurance, um, bonuses, commissions, those things could be uh, included in there as well. Um, and there is a portion, which a lot of, you know, a lot of companies aren't really qualified for, but there was a family leave portion of this, where if you had to pay an employee who was either home because of COVID, or if you had, uh, uh, because of school shutdowns, if you had to, you know, stay at home to take care of for homeschooling purposes, there is a portion of that credit that could qualify you know, those hours and those, uh, those wages that were spent, you know, because of government mandates where you're at home or if you're recovering from COVID. So. Yeah. So I think one of the key takeaways you mentioned a minute ago, so you, you, you're working on a three-year statute, right? So you don't need to get concerned if you haven't, that's right. If we haven't called you yet and say, Hey, (laughs) we're looking at your ERC or we, we've got some folks you need to talk to. Uh, right. You've got to, the rest of this year and all of 2023 that's right and part of 2024 for that for that 2020 credit that's right and then on and into, then another on year. into 25 it's right. just by quarter mm-hmm. okay yes yeah, so um just like we've said a few times there have been some changes um you know from when it was first came out in um march of 2020 one of those ways was um, originally a lot of people ignored this retention credit because um, the CARES Act said that you could not take advantage of the PPP loans and the retention credit. And so, as we all know, most people took advantage. Had a PPP so you couldn't loan. use those same wages. Well, back then you, you couldn't. You could not take advantage take of both. And then right. they changed that. I think later that year in the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Um, and said you could, but like you're saying, you cannot um, use the same wages. In the, the forgiveness wages. side, you right. can't use the same That's wages. Right. So, um, yep. so when we're looking at the credit, um, and Shannon, I'm sure y'all do the same thing. You look at the um, the PPP loan forgiveness application to see what wages were used yep. for the forgiveness, and those wages cannot be used for the retention credit calculation. Um, so there's some um, calculations that go on based on that, and. Um, goodness, there's lots of IRS guidance on um, how to determine which of those wages yeah. were, were used for PPP. But, um, but hey, at least we have some guidance, I guess. Um, right. What other changes have you seen in the, in the different iterations of it? Well, there's, um, there was a recovery uh, credit added to it for startup businesses um, that would qualify a startup business that um, started its operations uh, on or after February 15th of 2020. Um, this was a $50,000 per quarter cap on a credit. Um, it, reason they, reason the Congress passed this or the, the iteration came about is because, you know, a lot of this, the testing was done because of 2019, uh, revenues. And yep. so if you're a new business that you didn't really have anything to compare it to from a quarterly perspective in 2019, but again, unfortunately with the repeal of the fourth quarter, that only left the startup recovery, um, uh, to a $50,000 maximum, which would be for the third quarter. Now, you can, as a startup, qualify for the credit just in the general terms that we talked about um, as far as like mandates and things are concerned. But this was kind of just a, a minimal qualification factor, just saying, look, if you were a startup, this is this is accessible to you um, because we actually have seen startups that have, you know, it, you have to be under a million dollars in, in gross revenue um, to be able to qualify for the startup. But, uh, you know, it, 
we've actually found, you know, 45 employee clients that started in one year and they were able to qualify for a larger credit based on the mandate portion of it and okay. not, have, not have to qualify for the startup portion of it. So that's, nice. that's one of the iterations. That's really the only major change that's happened since the, uh, since the last uh, iteration of the bill. Okay. Okay. And I think we've talked about the PPP wages. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, these numbers can be really large. You know, if you've got a lot yes. of employees and you meet the test. That's right. I mean, we've seen some really large numbers yes, in have. our shop. That's right. That's and right. I know, Shannon, y'all have seen some tremendous amounts of credits that are coming back to, to people. Yeah, we've, we've seen, um, you know, we, we're, what we're seeing on average, I'm not sure what your averages are, but mainly on the, on the testing uh, from the business disruption portion, we're seeing averages of maybe fourteen to $16,000 per employee um, in some cases, you know, because obviously a lot of businesses are not going to qualify for every quarter because a lot of states started opening up and mandates started getting relaxed, right. especially the later you get into 2021. That's right. But that's still a significant amount of money. I mean, you know, we've you know, imagine you know, having 100 employees and being able to receive a $16,000 credit per employee, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tremendous yeah. amount of money. So, and the IRS is going to scrutinize things that are above a million dollars a little bit more. They just kind of announced that um, where before I think it was just, Hey, we're going to write checks. Um, you know, they've decided if it's a million dollar credit or more, they are going to review documentation and things um, as well, which, you know, some people would consider that, Oh no. But to me, it's actually a helpful thing because, you know, if there ever is a review down the road of this credit and the IRS has already taken a look at it, you're less likely to, to have any issues there right down the road. So, um, but, uh, but you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, we're still having to wait six to nine months to get checks out of the IRS well, right now for these that's payments. That's what I was going to say. You know, once we file those 941X forms to claim the credit for each quarter, we are seeing, you know, that it does take several months. So currently y'all are still seeing six to nine months. In that we period. are, we have, we have seen that. Um, the, the, you know, the fortunate thing is there are some funding options available out there. Um, we have seen that. Um, so, you know, there are companies out there that we have been, have been able to refer to uh, for businesses that really need the upfront, the, the cash right now, um, that there are some some companies who've stood up uh, banks and, and VC firms that have started to pre-fund these things a little bit. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, in the event, you know, in the event that a company is, and, you know, this, the, the great part about this is this is really helping boost um, a lot of these businesses that were in real need. But the unfortunate problem is when you don't get paid for nine months, it really doesn't help much. Right. Um, so there, but there are options out there for, for people that, if, that do need funding. You know, the, you, you mentioned it somewhat earlier, Shannon, there, there are a lot of people out there selling this service to a lot of people, you know, I hear it on the radio all the yes. time. Oh and, yes. Our clients hear it on yeah. the radio. Oh, they, all the yeah. Time. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> we would prefer they use reputable people like us and y'all. That's right. Uh, right. To help them. So how, how do you, how do we differentiate ourselves between those? Oh, I think so. No, it's a great question. And I actually just had a conversation about an hour ago with, with the partner, new partner we're bringing on. Um, the, the sad part about this is most of these pop-up shops will not be here next year. You know, they're going to get, they're going to get paid. The IRS is going to pay them. They're going to get their fees. And um, a lot of these, a lot of these um, ERC, uh, you know, consultants have never been in the tax credit space before. Yep. 
So we're actually seeing, unfortunately, seeing a lot of mistakes being made. Um, we've actually had to go back and review some clients' work that have come to us and said, hey, Shannon, this doesn't look right. I don't feel right about this. My CPA doesn't feel right about this. And in the review, we found out they were either overqualified for quarters or underqualified. Um, we just had an example of a, of a client who came to us who only got $100,000 from their ERC shop, and it turns out they were eligible for $800,000. Um, but unfortunately, now we have to file another 941X, which could throw up a red flag, yeah. right, in some yep. cases. So um, the, the key to this is you really want to look for somebody who's going to be have longevity in this industry. The, the ERC credit is a great credit for these businesses, but there's so many other credits out there. And, and organizations like ours and yourself that, that process and file these other credits, you know, this is, this is a great opportunity for, for everybody, but this isn't how we pay our bills, right? How we pay our bills is with these other credits and being in the business 10, 20 years and the longevity. So to me, that's more importantly than, than just the background is, are you going to be here next year if the IRS comes calling, Absolutely. if I need to answer questions? I mean, I, and unfortunately, I think a lot of shops are not going to be. Yeah, you know, that's I think sad, you're right. Of course, this is all going to end sometime in 25, right? That's right. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, it will. You, they won't have a phone number where you can call them and say, hey, the IRS is wanting to know about this. That's but, right. But y'all are going to be around. We've been around for 102 years. Y'all have been around not quite that long, but you still do a lot of work in the work, work, uh, the WOTC credit, I guess, the work opportunity tax credit, right? Yeah, we, we do. We, we do a lot of uh, work opportunity. We do a lot of empowerment zone. Um, we do disasters for all the hurricanes, floods, and fires. I mean, California's got a lot of wildfires right now. There's a lot of credits surrounding that and some state credits as well, job creation and things like that. So, I mean, we're a firm, you know, we're not a stand up shop, but in, in, like you said, you guys, I, I, I think that's really, it's going to be really important down the road because the IRS is, on occasion is going to review these things even before 2025, right? Yeah. Um, they're going to want to come in and, and review these things and you're going to need documentation and mainly it to me also is important is to look for someone who's going to back you up from an audit perspective. Yes. If it did happen, someone who's willing to say, we will refund any penalties, any interest, any fees that could be associated with this. If we make a mistake now, knock on wood, we've been doing this over 20 years and never had one over overturned by the IRS. But if it ever did happen, we would 100% refund, um, you know, any penalties, interest and fees and anything associated with that. And I think that's something important to look for as well in the vendor. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Christian, any other questions, comments? I don't think so. We appreciate it. Have we kind of covered everything on ERC credit? I think we have. Did... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I wish it was as easy, you know, to, to process <laughs> as a 15 minute conversation, right. but you know, <laughs> we could do the best we can of explaining it, but it, unfortunately behind the scenes, that's where things get really, you know, can complex. And that's why it's important to use, you know, firms like yourself and groups like us so that we can navigate that muddy water for you. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We're so, going to continue conversations with our clients and be putting them in touch with you guys and getting them started on. Um, I know y'all have an, sort of an entry questionnaire that helps get started with the um, determination. And so um, we're set up. I just and, sent one of our revenue tests templates out to somebody today so i'll probably and i don't know if they'll make the revenue test but they certainly might that's right yeah need the I mean, we at ones, least so. look at the revenues first because yeah. those are no-brainers but yeah. Um, yeah but then sure then we'll be giving you guys a ring <laughs> yeah well this big money i mean oh, you we, know. Yeah. and you know yeah. if you're a jmf client and you hadn't heard from us yet don't think we're not thinking about you or working on it that's you'll right. hear from us soon that's right. uh yeah, I've got a one client right now that 
I guess their controller knows we're working on it, but haven't mentioned a number. It's that one we were talking about a minute ago, and it could be pretty big. So the owners are going to, uh, at least for a day, think we're pretty good, right? <laughs> Those are nice conversations <laughs> to have. <laughs> Shannon, thank you uh, for your... Go ahead. Absolutely. I, I was just going to thank you guys. I was just going to thank you guys for having us. And we really appreciate the partnership and the trust that you guys have put in us. And, and we are looking forward to to helping out down the road. So, Boy, we do right. too. We appreciate you being with us today. Marianne, wherever you are, thanks for being with us. Uh, this is, this is a, a topic that uh, we, we need to be working on. So right. if you'd like to... If you'd like Jamison Money Farmer to help you connect with Oncentive, help your business in any way, or if you'd like to suggest additional podcast topics, simply send an email to info at jmf.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast apps. Thank you. If you would like us to help your business or would like to suggest additional podcast topics, simply send an email to info at jmf.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast apps.